Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. As always, folks, no disappointments today. Phenomenal guest right here on the mics. I have retired Lieutenant Colonel Mark Hassera. Uh, before we start and share all of your glowing credentials, Mark, thank you for yes, your service. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I am so honored to have you here on the show. It's an honor to be here and to talk to you, Dr. Paul. <sighs> Well, we'll share the honor then yes, and sir. have some fun. Yes, Does that sir. sound good? I look forward to it. Uh, folks, Mark is a 24-year veteran um, of the Air Force. Four wars yes, sir. under your belt. Yes, sir. Uh, the Civil War, the Revolutionary War. The, yeah. you're, you're not that ancient. Everything you heard about George Washington is true. <laughs> <laughs> From personal experience, yeah. right? Yes, sir. Actually, it started with Desert Storm. Um, continued with Allied Force in Kosovo and Enduring Freedom and Iraqi Freedom. Yes. Um, some people might not even be familiar with the names of those wars. They just know that there's a whole lot of conflict going on mm-hmm. in different parts of the world. And your particular role in that um, is kind of personal for me for some reasons that I've shared with you. Yes, sir. Uh, you were a tanker pilot. I flew KC-135s. KC-135, it's a dinosaur that just keeps on ticking, um, which is a refueling jet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're the one that makes it possible for our fighter jets and uh, some of the the other combat um, aircraft yes, sir. to f- refuel mm-hmm. mid-flight. Uh, they just don't like have the kind of range Costco. that will allow them to do some of these missions That's they correct. need to do without their... They're that tanker. Yeah, just like pulling into Costco. Yeah, except you're going a couple hundred miles an hour. About 420. About 420 miles an yeah, hour, and you just hook up the hose, and here you go, sir. Fill Off her up. Go. Off we go. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about the airplane just really quick, if that's okay. Yeah. KC-135 is as old as I am. Came off the assembly line in May of 1957. Mm. The original one came off in 1955. Uh, the airplane holds 180,000 pounds of gas. 180,000 pounds. pounds of gas. Wow. So you divide that by 6.5, and it'll give you about, uh, I think, 27,395 gallons. That's a, a lot typi- of jet fuel. A typical American family uses about 1,000 gallons a year. So you could drive for 27 years, Dr. Paul, on one of my missions. On one tank of on gas. On one tank of gas. Wow. I, I didn't even share why it's personal to me. My twin sister mm-hmm. is married to Chief Master Sergeant Kelly Cummings, who is uh, one of the uh, head honchos up there at the Air National Guard yeah. base. Yeah. Um, and it's a great he unit. has 
He has worked on these uh, refueling jets for his whole career. He's part of the maintenance division up there, um, which kept you guys afloat. Kept kept us going. Kept you in the air uh, by maintaining these aircraft. And uh, it's a pretty amazing process. I've gotten to be a little more familiar with that as, you know, through my brother-in-law and uh, just uh, seeing what those great people do on a daily basis behind the scenes. I've got a great story about that. I'll tell you real quick. The first night of Desert Storm, the airplane that I went out to was tail number 8019, 8019. It was made in 1963. Mm. Tech Sergeant Yvonne Peterson, Bonnie Peterson, red-haired gal, uh, was the crew chief. Uh Uh-huh. And it's about midnight. And we're going to take off about 1.30 in the morning. And I asked Vonnie only one question. I said, Vonnie, is this jet ready to go? Mm-hmm. And she told me, Captain Hacera, this jet's ready to go to war. And I believed her. The maintenance people are phenomenal on this airplane, okay? Mm. There is a special bond between the pilot team, the air crew, and the maintenance crew when we are flying a mission. And the last thing I do as I'm pulling out of parking is I salute the crew chiefs. They're always lined up in front of me, marshalling me out, and I give them a big salute every time I take off. Every time I took off, I did that. And that was yeah. kind of our bond to our maintenance crews. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. There are so many things to be learned mm-hmm. from... Uh, from the experiences that you've had, I'm just thinking of, as, as you mentioned, the maintenance crews, and I'm thinking about what my brother-in-law is doing up there with his team and uh, the amazing yes, sir. team that is required uh, to pull off what seems to be a very simple operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, or on the surface, or if you don't know what's behind the scenes, it could seem to be a simple thing. Um it's amazing the number of people that are involved to pull that off. Yes. So during Operation Iraqi Freedom, the initial invasion of Iraq, I was the chief of the air refueling control team. I was managing all of the tankers for all three nations, the Australians, the British, and the Americans. Uh-huh. I, had, I had 200 tankers uh, in my uh, fleet. Okay. Wow. And all the crew chiefs and maintenance folks that went along with them, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. At, I think we were at 15 different bases. All right. So mm-hmm. I'm in charge of all of this. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, we ran a Gulf Coast country out of gas. This, the country. Just to of, fill you guys up. The country of the United Arab Emirates wasn't capable of producing the amount of gas we were using in a single day at Al Dafra. Wow. Uh-huh. It's staggering. Yes, it is. They could <laughs> they could produce 1.2 million pounds, 1.2 million gallons and we were using 1.7 a day at the, at that place, okay? But we had fuels people that were putting that the fuel in the aircraft. We had crew chiefs that were making sure that the airplanes were ready to fly. We had people changing tires. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't think about having to change tires. People will drive for years on the tires that they have on their car. Mm-hmm. But many airplanes, you have to change the tires every 25 to 50 landings. And so you're right. It yeah. really is a team effort, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's just at the base level. 
I was at the headquarters level in charge of all of the planning. And so I had to coordinate literally globally, Dr. Paul, with people in the United States, people in Europe, people in the Middle East, and also people in the Pacific Mm-hmm. Because that's where airplanes were coming from during this entire air campaign. Mm-hmm. So in 23 days, we offloaded 417,133,000 pounds of gas out of tankers. You can't even wrap my head around that, Mark. Let me help you. Because I actually got asked this question. Yeah. I got a phone call from somebody at the Pentagon one day, one night, saying, how much gas is that? I said, I don't know. Let me do some work. Uh The general that was the commander of the air campaign, General Mike Mosley, one of the greatest commanders I've ever worked for, Mm -hmm. had just bought a brand new Ford F-150 truck. And so all of you out there listening to Dr. Paul's podcast will love this if you have a Ford F-150 truck. On 417 million pounds of gas, Dr. Paul, we can make 2,685 round trips to the moon or eight round trips to the sun in a Ford F-150 truck. That's how much gas it is. In a Ford F-150. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So yeah. When, when you think of airplanes, and you think of airlines, and you think of the things that are going on in the Middle East now, okay? Uh-huh. Smart men study tactics. Brilliant men study logistics. Because it really is the logistics. And think about the logistics of your life, okay? Mm-hmm. Buying the food, buying the gas, running the kids around. All of the logistics of how that takes time, effort, a little bit of planning, sometimes mm-hmm. a lot of planning. And it's no different for what I was doing and what my team was doing when we were flying these airplanes, okay? Mm-hmm. It was just on a grander scale, all right? A bigger scale. I shouldn't say grander right. scale. But a bigger, uh, a bigger scale. Right. But we had to pay attention to the, some of these little small details that, in some cases, I had no idea. I didn't know we were going to run a Gulf Coast country out of gas. How do you anticipate that? We didn't. We didn't know that. And a colonel came up and says, Mark, I got to tell you something. The UAE can't produce the amount of gas we're going to need. And so we had to find a solution. And the solution was we had to bring in a big uh, super tanker. Hmm. And we hooked the super tanker up and actually pumped the gas from the tanker straight to the base. And we were about three to four days from draining it. And it was carrying like 500,000 gallons or, or excuse me, 50 hmm. million gallons. I mean, it was a ridiculous amount of gas. Wow. But in our daily lives, we sometimes have um, very short-fused things that happen to us, don't we? Mm -hmm. All right? And sometimes they're pretty stressful, all right? Oh, yeah. But I learned from these experiences that take care of the things that you can take care of. There's a lot of things that are out of your control. And those things that are out of your control, let them handle themselves. Well, what's the alternative? You get yourself tied in knots worrying about things that you have absolutely no control over. Exactly. Where you could just apply your mind to, okay, what could I do? Yes. 
And we had to come up with some very fascinating solutions to some very critical problems. Interesting. Because of gas issues. Uh-huh. Think about the country issues in the Middle East too, Dr. Paul. Yeah. Where we're dealing with a very religious society. Right. And it's a religion that there's two different factions, Sunni and Shia. Okay. Um, I actually worked with a member of the royal family while I was there. Mm -hmm. who was a three-star Saudi general. One of the best men I've ever met in my life. We had a great relationship. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so in our businesses and our daily lives and stuff, the relationships that we create, and I use that term specifically, the relationships we create become very important to help us solve some of these problems. You have great relationships with your patients, your family, your friends, people at church, those kinds of things. And there are comes times when you are have a very stressful thing happening to you where you'll find God will bring all those people to you to help you. Mm. God will bring all of those people and he works in the background sometimes just like a watch and all those little springs and all those little wheels all making the hands move. Everything working together. And you don't have any control over it other than maybe winding it, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's all you got to do is, did I wind my watch? Let the relationships take care of it sometimes. Because I found out from talking to one of my good friends, I was looking around the room one day and I said, I've known him for years. I've known him for years. He was my next door neighbor. And here we are getting ready to fly combat missions. Mm-hmm. And those relationships that you establish, sometimes you'll have to put a team together that will to do some kind of task. And you always go to your A-team, don't you? Yeah. You go to your, I call it your human treasury. Yes. That's a great word for that. Your human treasures. Right. They're known quantities. They know you. You know them. And um, in one of the chapters in the book, I talk about relationships and how I'd known a lot of these people for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was walking into the building one day, and at the top of the stairs was a guy who was our next-door neighbor when I was living in Okinawa 20 years prior. Wow. A Navy pilot, not an Air Force guy. He had mm-hmm. been on an exchange from the Navy to the Air Force to fly F-15s. Mm. His call sign was Trigger. And mm-hmm. I walking up the stairs, I'm like, Trigger, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Well, Sluggo, that was my call sign, Sluggo. Sluggo. Yeah. I was 10 pounds, 13 ounces, and 23 and a half inches tall when I was born. Oh, wow. Okay, so I was a big kid. Remember yeah. the 1950s Nancy cartoon, his, her pal Sluggo? Yeah. That's where it, That's where it came from. That's where it came from. <laughs> but the thing was, I knew him. Right. I knew how he does things. I knew how he operates. Which accelerates what you can now do. Exactly. And so when we had really hard problems to deal with, Dr. Paul, I was working with people that I'd worked with on numerous occasions. I knew them, knew them well. Yeah. So relationships in our daily lives, I think, is really critical to our success. Absolutely. And we don't spend enough time, I think, sometimes facilitating those relationships. Mm. Okay. 
we get busy with our work. We get busy uh, doing other things. Sure. And and sometimes um, even relationships with our family kind of get put sideways. All right. Right. And and I was in one of those situations, Doctor Paul, where I was leaving for months at a time. Mm-hmm. My son Travis was only a month old on nine eleven. Oh wow! I didn't see him. I saw him off and on for the next eighteen months. Yeah. And at one point we realized he was 18 months old and I'd only been home three months of his life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Makes you take notice. It does. But the time that you qualities time that you spend with your family at home and your friends at home, those relationships really do matter. Yes. And in our religion, we always think those relationships will continue, mm-hmm. but those are facilitated down here. So, I think there's some other principles we'll identify as this conversation continues after we come back from this first break. Folks, this is retired Lieutenant Colonel Mark Hacera at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com And welcome back. Mark Hesera at Live On Purpose Radio. Mark, I forgot to mention something earlier. You are the author of this book, Tanker Pilot. Lessons from the Cockpit. Yes, sir. Uh, Simon & Schuster, I think, is a publisher yes, on that. Sir. Yes, sir. Um, you've got a foreword from Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> yes, I do. How do you know Rush Limbaugh? Great story. So during the war in Iraq, we fly flags, American flags for our families on mm-hmm. combat missions. And I had been a listener for a long time, since mm-hmm. the first Gulf War. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to fly an American flag for him. I flew it on five different airplanes during the initial invasion. And I sent it to him. Sent it to his New York office. I never thought he'd get it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he'd end up with it. But I was bound and determined to send him one. But I knew if I sent it FedEx, it would at least get into his hand somehow. Mm-hmm. And it did. And one night, he talked. Uh, one day he talked about it on his radio show that he had the flag. And then that night he called me on the phone and we've been good friends ever since. Oh, wow. We've been really good friends ever well, since. Well, I, I was reading the foreword and he was a bit surprised to get that. He was. He um, was. It's, it's funny how things come together and how perceptions mm-hmm. drive. We just had an exchange earlier, Mark, about how I'm honored to have you on my show. And you're honored to be here. And that's a good fit. Yes, sir. And it was the same thing with Rush. It was. It was. And yeah. he was amazed at getting that gift. He, and he told mm-hmm. me, 
It's one of the best gifts I've ever been given. He's got it framed in his front room now mm-hmm. with the certificate saying which airplanes it flew on, okay? And he just yeah. thinks the world of that thing, all right? Mm-hmm. But um, so some of your listeners know, in 2009, I have a son that was diagnosed with osteosarcoma. Oh, wow. Bone cancer. Mm-hmm. And it was a big lesion. We were behind. Mm. He fought cancer for 14 months and then unfortunately passed away. Oh, wow. All right. And Mm -hmm. I talked a little bit about relationships, but I want to talk to a little bit about joy in your life. And when you're going through that kind of a terrible trial, it's hard to find joy and Mm -hmm. happiness when your son is so sick. Yeah. But... In the evenings, I would spend time with Jeffrey, talking to him, getting him comfortable, all these different things, okay? Mm-hmm. And Rush was very aware of what was happening to us. Mm. And so when the time came that Jeffrey passed away, Rush and his wife, Catherine, they'd only been married just a couple months, got very engaged and helped us find some joy in our lives from what happened during that time period. And they really wow. took good care of us, okay? Mm-hmm. But we had a lot of people around us that took good care of us, okay? Right. And when you're going through these trials of your life, try and find joy in your life. And I found that there are three key things to doing that. Okay. Faith, hope, and charity. Uh-uh. Faith that everything's going to work out. Faith in the doctors and what they're doing, even though Jeffrey was really sick. We had faith in the the doctor that was working on him was one of the top five cancer doctors, um, orthopedic surgeons in the world that dealt just with his particular type of cancer. Mm -hmm. And he was only 38 miles away. Mm -hmm. All right. Wow. The hope that, again, everything's going to be fine the hope that Jeffrey's going to live. But we still found opportunities to be charitable during that time period. And you can imagine the medical bills that go along with something like this. Oh, yeah. But still, we were charitable to other people. We continued paying our tithing. We continued doing things for others around us. During that time period, Mm -hmm. a young man in our ward who came from a really bad family background wanted to move in with us and Mm -hmm. I said are you nuts Hmm. this was a a month before Jeffrey had surgery to amputate his arm oh wow but he moved in anyway and he stayed with us for three years and the blessings that I got from being charitable for giving him a good look at what a family looks like and how we operate and and taking care of him, and, and, and he literally became part of our family and still is. Faith, hope, and charity will bring the blessings of joy to your life like you cannot believe. You know what's really interesting, uh, Mark, as I'm listening to you talk about that, faith sounds like a religious term to a lot of people. And it is. Yes. I'm a psychologist, I've taken a look at this from a psychological perspective. Yes, sir. And, and you mentioned hope, too, okay? Um, 
I think faith is choosing to believe something. Choosing to believe. Now, do you know what's going to happen next week? No. Next month? Next year? No. You don't. You don't. But we get tied up sometimes in our own mind predicting all kinds of negative things Mm -hmm. or... Instead of choosing to believe, as you were saying, that things are going to be okay. Yes, sir. I I like the way uh, my wife used to have a little uh, saying pinned up on our desk. Yes. It said, everything's okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. (laughs) (laughs) I always got a kick out of that. But But it's perfect. What if we were to choose to believe that that things are good now and that better things are yet to come. Since we don't know, what if we were to take that position? Yes. And uh, you mentioned the word joy. Mm-hmm. Would that enhance our joy a little bit? I can testify to you it will do it tremendously. You've you- learned things from the cockpit of a KC-135. Yes, sir. The... I've learned through 23 years of clinical experience in psychology, these are principles. Mm -hmm. They're natural laws. They're truths that transcend any industry or language or culture. And you've flown all around the world, haven't you? I have. I've seen a few places. Is gravity on in Dubai? Gravity's on in Dubai, and you can't do nothing about it. <laughs> and so is faith, hope, and charity. Yes, it is. Isn't that interesting? Yes. And may I say a little bit about joy really quick? Yes, please. During the time periods that you're going through these terrible trials, try to find the joy in those trials. Try to find the joy of being around your family Because I can tell you, you never know when a member of your family is going to be taken. Jeffrey was only 16 years old. Oh, wow. Okay. When he passed away. You never know, do you? You really don't, okay? Although, nobody gets out of this alive. Nobody gets out of this alive. That's true. So we know we're going. We just don't Mm -hmm. know when or how. Yes. But during those time periods where we had these intimate moments with not just Jeffrey, but other members of my family, my wife and I. Because people often would tell you, you know, these kinds of trials will just split you up. A matter of fact, we had a, a gal who was training us, training as a kind of a loose word, and she told us, she says, how is your relationship? And she went into some detail, asking us some detailed questions. Mm. I'm kind of like, where are you going with this? Mm-hmm. Okay, And she told us, 65% of couples that go through this with a child end up getting divorced. They split up. They split up. Okay. But my wife and I were able to find joy and happiness in the moment. Watching Jeffrey fighting cancer, getting chemo, and going to the top of the parking garage with his skateboard under his arm, Mm -hmm. and then going down, riding down, going to the elevator, pushing the button, going back up, Mm -hmm. the discussions I had with my children on what was happening and teaching my children some of these things that you and I are talking about, Mm -hmm. and then being able to talk to some of my friends and family about how we were able to maintain 
our relationship with my wife and I under these tense circumstances. Yeah. You know, but a question I'm often asked, Dr. Paul, is what's it like flying? Mm-hmm. And in the book I talk about in the chapter about flying over the Turkey and flying missions over southeastern Turkey, the Silosat Mountains. All pilots have this, these visions in their heads of these moments in time mm-hmm. where everything is just perfect. And you're looking around at yeah. God's green earth. And one flight I remember, we were going to Alaska from Okinawa, Japan, where I used to live. I was stationed in Okinawa for five years. Mm. We were flying over the top of Tokyo right at... Uh, what we call civil twilight. The sun's already down behind it and there's just orange glow and all the lights of Tokyo were on. And I told everybody in the back of the plane, you got to come up and see this. You got to come up and see this. I had about 20 people in the back of the plane, maintainers in the back of the plane. Yeah. And remember, I told you, we have a great relationship with our maintainers. And so everybody's up taking pictures. As we continued on through the night, we got to about Petropavlovsk area of Russia, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And the Aurora Borealis came out for two hours. Oh, wow. And it was just waving in front of us. And we're just watching this. Huge green waves in front of us, Dr. Paul. And then as we got Mm. close to the Kodiak uh, Peninsula, the sun was coming up. And you see the rays of the sun coming up. And then we got to Mount McKinley. And we were too heavy to land. So I asked Anchorage Center if we could make a bunch of laps around Mount McKinley the mountain so that we could burn down gas. So we were light enough to land. Okay. (laughs) That was my excuse and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's why you had to take laps. That's why I had to take laps around Mount McKinley. McKinley. Yes. Okay. (laughs) But we were at 25,000 feet and that's a 28,000 foot peak. So we're looking up at the mountain. Oh, you're right there with it. And you're right there with it. Wow. Okay. Sublime, isn't it? It is. And I remember thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, look how beautiful this planet is that we live on. Yeah. And finding the joy in these long flights. It was about a seven or eight hour flight. But those are things that you remember your entire life. And all of us have those moments where we're looking around us and going, wow, isn't this awesome? I'm sure there are so many experiences. If we were to sit here for several hours... Uh, we could we could pick into some of those. You've shared a lot of those in your book. Yes, Mark. I have. I sure um, have. And folks, again, it's Tanker Pilot Lessons from the Cockpit. And Mark, something I didn't mention about this is you've taken a lot of pictures. Yes. And you're a pretty accomplished photographer, I might say. Um, folks, these are pictures in full color too. Pictures of um, these actual refueling yes, those missions. Are actually, yeah, th- I took a lot of these pictures. There's only four in the book that I didn't take out of the 32. I've been in a KC-135. So I you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And uh, I had a chance like. to look down and wave at the pilots yes. in, the, in the jet below us. Yes. Um, there's pictures like that in the book. This is published by Simon & Schuster. How can people get a hold of this? It is in any Barnes and Noble or Books a Million, and on and obviously on Amazon. 
Amazon. That's yeah. where people are going to yeah. pick it up anyway. Yeah, it's like $17.10 on Amazon. So Mark Hasara, H-A-S-A-R-A. Yes. And Mark, you also speak. Yes, And I you do. share your message with audiences and with groups. And yes. you do um, some consulting and training in business I do. as well. So what's the best way for people to to find you or get a hold of you? My website is markhasara.com. Oh, that's easy. We'll put a link in the description yeah. too so that people can find you. And I write a lot on there. So I have two things that I, I have a blog that I write about current events that are going on around the world. Okay. And I have uh, every Friday, I, I call it the nation's dime. And dime is an acronym, a government acronym that we use called mm. diplomatic, informational, military, and economic. And I kind of analyze some of the things that are going on around the world every Friday based on that uh, formula. Wonderful. You know, Mark, this was just barely a taste, but what a what a sweet taste. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here and sharing some of your experience with oh, well, us Well, uh, I'm honored to be here, Dr. Paul, and, and you're right. I have hours of these kinds of things, so I guess mm. I'll just have to come back some other time, won't I? I think we might have to arrange that. <laughs> and I'll finish where I started. Thank you for your service. Thank you. And to... All of those other military personnel out there who are keeping us safe and giving us our freedom. Freedom is not free. No, uh-uh. Five of my friends are no longer with us. Wow. Uh, one I was yeah. very close to, as a matter of fact. Well, the book thing, is dedicated to him, as a matter of fact. One thing Rush wrote in the uh, foreword, he says that these, these men and women write a blank check to yes, their country do. and to all of us. And so thank you again for that. And we're happy to do it. Folks, you've heard it. From retired Lieutenant Colonel Mark Hasera here at Live on Purpose Radio. Now it's your turn. Go live on purpose. <laughs>